Hello and welcome back to another episode of Category Insight, where we aim to improve your understanding of conditions and how to manage them over the counter. This month we are having some fun in the sun, but as skin cancer cases hit a record high in England with around 1 in 5 affected, it's vital that your customers are aware of how to be safe in the sun, whether holidaying abroad or at home this summer. Join us to hear how pharmacy teams can stop the burn. Today I'm speaking to Rachel Orrett, Health Information Manager at Cancer Research UK. Hi Rachel, how are you doing? Hi Monica, I'm very well, thank you. Good, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this month. Could you tell us a bit about you and the work that you do? Yeah, of course. So um, I've been working at Cancer Research UK uh, for a few na- a few years now. And in my team, we look after the evidence on all things prevention and early diagnosis for cancer. Fab, thank you so much. And today we're kind of focusing on travel health and specifically um, how to be sun safe, looking at skin cancer. And many people not, might not be aware that there are actually different types of skin cancer. So Rachel, can you tell us kind of how many different types are there and how do they vary? Of course, yes. Yeah. So there's, there are lots of different types of skin cancer. Um, I think it's useful to split them into two main groups. So we have our melanoma skin cancers and our non-melanoma skin cancers. So a melanoma skin cancer starts from a cell called a melanocyte. So that's the cell that produces pigment in our skin. Um, and that's the sort of more serious, if you like, type of cancer. Um, whereas non-melanoma skin cancers start from other types of skin cells. Um, and the survival for non-melanoma skin cancer is much higher compared to melanoma skin cancer. Um, and that's because non-melanoma skin cancers are, are much less likely to spread to other parts of the body. Thank you. And what are some of the symptoms of skin cancer? Uh, there's lots of different symptoms of skin cancer. So often I think when people think about skin cancer, regardless of type, they think of changes to a mole or maybe a new mole. Um, but it can be changes to a mole or a freckle or a normal patch of skin. Um, so when we're talking to people about possible symptoms, it's really important to emphasize that it's the doctor's job to diagnose people, um, particularly when we're thinking about cancer. You know, there's so many different types even within the realms of something like skin cancer. And that means there's lots of different types of symptoms. So really, it's really important that we get over the message that um, it's, it's not our job to self-diagnose or to, to see if something might be cancer or might not be cancer. If there's anything that's new or unusual for you, that's the time to speak to your doctor. Brilliant. And are there certain groups of people who might be especially vulnerable to skin cancer? Uh, yes, definitely. And I think here it's it's useful to sort of split it into two things. So exposure to UV radiation. So um, groups of people that might be more likely to spend time in the sun, maybe use sunbeds. Um, And then the other thing, of of course, is skin type. So anyone can get sunburnt or develop skin cancer, but some people are at a higher risk and they need to take more care. Um, And they include people with skin that burns more easily and people who might have light or fair colored skin, uh, lighter hair, light colored eyes, lots of moles and freckles um, and a history of sunburn. So people who've been sunburned in the past. And also if somebody has had skin cancer in the past or they've had a close family member who has had skin cancer, then they're at a slightly higher risk too. Um, So there's lots of different things that go into our level of risk. 
And um, the, the other side of that that I've mentioned is behaviour in the sun and using sunbeds. So actually how much UV radiation are we exposed to? So we know that getting sunburn just once every two years can triple your risk of melanoma skin cancer compared to never being burned. Um, so it's really important that people sort of learn from their experiences. If they've been sunburned in the past, um, they can think about, you know, what, what caused that, what the weather was like, how their skin reacted and take steps to protect their skin before they are burned in future. Yeah, and just touching on those steps, how can pharmacy teams advise customers to prevent skin cancer? Yeah, there's lots of different things that pharmacy teams can do. Um, one of the most important things is helping people to understand their risk um, and know when it's actually risky. So what the weather's doing, you know, and obviously in the UK, we like to talk about the weather. So it's not usually a difficult conversation to start. Um, but the sun is strongest in the UK between mid-March and mid-October and strongest between 11 and 3 in the day. So over that sort of midday period. Um, you definitely don't need to be on holiday to burn. So although people might sort of start up these conversations, perhaps when they're um, with the pharmacy team for their vaccinations, if they're going on holiday, um, that's not the only point that we'd be talking to people about sun and sun safety. Um, you can get burn in the UK, even when it's cloudy. Um, something that's really useful, particularly for pharmacists, would be to check the UV index on any given day for their area. Uh, so that's available through different um weather apps and weather reports and if the uv index says that it's three or higher then there's a risk of sunburn so that's when you'd start wanting to have conversations with people um, and you know when when we're talking about sun safety it really comes down to three things so the first is making sure you're spending time in the shade if you're in the shade the sun can't get to you so that really is number one um, and then the next is covering up with clothing. So you have to be out and about in the sunshine, having a wide brimmed hat, UV protection, sunglasses and T-shirts with long sleeves is the way to go. And then third in line and really the, the sort of last line of defence, if you like, is sunscreen. So definitely using it in combination with shade and clothing um, and making sure that you're using it generously, reapplying regularly because sunscreen is not without fault. You know, a lot of people do use it to spend more time in the sunshine um, and actually in that way, it's not reducing risk. So making sure that we're using it in combination with shade and clothing. Um, and if you're picking sunscreens, having something that's at least SPF 15 and four or five stars. Brilliant. There's some really good tips there. Thank you so much. And where where can teams then signpost people to for further support with their skin health? Sure. So I think if it really depends on what the, um, the person that they're talking to wants and needs, if they have concerns about skin, you know, they've noticed a change on their skin and perhaps they're coming to a pharmacy team because they they want a bit of validation maybe um, or confidence to go and seek help from a GP, um, then signposting to their doctor and getting them to go and talk to their doctor is the most important thing. Um, if we're talking more about sun safety and things like avoiding avoiding tanning and UV beds, um, sorry, sun beds, then our web pages are a really good resource. So that's criuk.org forward slash sun. 
And pharmacy teams might also, perhaps if they're making displays, you know, with leaflets and resources for people to take away, uh, we do have leaflets that are free to use on our website. So that's ciuk.org forward slash publications. And we have leaflets on sun safety and also spotting skin cancer early that could be useful in that scenario. I just wondered if you, um, and like, don't worry if this is too much on the spot, but um, do you have any advice on kind of like that application of sun cream? like how much and yeah it's definitely something that we get asked a lot um it does depend on the person um you know we're all different shapes and sizes so we can't give a a Mm. certain volume of of sun cream to use for example and it depends how much skin you have exposed so ideally you're going to be covering most of your skin with clothing hats sunglasses and that sort of thing um but what we do say is people tend not to use enough um so more is always better um, and nowadays we have, you know, lots of variety of sunscreens to pick. So the formulations don't have to feel greasy or feel like too much. We can really sort of slather that on. Um, and something else that we find really useful is to ask people to reapply. So often when we apply, I'm sure you've felt had this experience too. I certainly have where you think that you've got everywhere, but actually there's a patch that you didn't quite cover in that first application. So reapplying at regular intervals helps to get everything, if you like, um, and also make sure that you're you're replacing any sunscreen that's sort of sweated or rubbed off or, you know, been moved as you've gone about your day. Um, so definitely it's, the, it's those two things of applying enough and reapplying regularly. Fab, thank you. And is there anything else that you wanted to add that you didn't think we touched on? So perhaps a couple of things. One is um, use of sunbeds. So sunbeds sunbeds aren't safe to use. Um, We don't suggest that anybody uses them. And um, there are some myths associated with sunbeds. So things like, oh, well, if I'm going on holiday, I want to develop a base tan so that um, I I perhaps would be less likely to burn on holiday. Um, But actually a tan, any tan is a sign that your skin is trying to protect itself from UV damage. So, you know, it's really important that people avoid sunbeds completely um, and and know that base tans aren't effective or safe. Um, As I say, like tanning is a sign that your skin's trying to protect itself. It's not a sign of healthy skin. So, you know, our skin comes in lots of different colours, which is a wonderful thing, you know, varieties of spice of life. But owning our own tone and not trying to change it um, is something that we really advocate for. And if people are really keen on a tan, you know, lots of people um, would really like to achieve that that look. Um, they can do that safely with fake tans. So that's what we would suggest for people who are wanting to tan. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, we talked about a little bit about signs and symptoms before. Um, so we, I mentioned that we don't sort of suggest that the general public learns all the different signs and symptoms of cancer. But as a pharmacy team, we can sort of know some of the some of the signs and symptoms to look out for and to be you know keen to prompt someone to go to the doctor of course if anyone's worried about anything that would be the advice would be to go and talk to their doctor um but knowing things like the abcde rule i would be a bit of a mouthful but that's for moles so that helps us to know when it's appropriate to say okay you know this might be something that you want to chat to your doctor about so moles that are a is for asymmetrical um irregular or blurred borders that's b uneven colours and then diameters bigger than the end of a pencil or evolving so that's the E so changing in any any of those elements I've talked about and um, again if if anyone's concerned it's it's always best to talk to the doctor.
Um, but yeah, any any unusual signs, anything that's new for a person, moles that are itchy or painful, bleeding or crusty, inflamed. Um, as I said, there's a huge variety of these different symptoms and that's why we wouldn't necessarily expect the public to be aware of all of them. It just needs to be that confidence to go and talk to the doctor about anything that's new or unusual. Brilliant. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks, Monica. Next up is Dr. Anya Weidman from the British Association of Dermatologists. Hi, Anya. How are you today? Hello, Monica. Nice to speak to you. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Can you tell us a bit about you and the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a consultant dermatologist. I work in the northwest of England. Um, I have a mixed practice of adults and children who we look after. Uh, And there's a whole range of conditions that we treat from skin lesions, skin cancer to inflammatory skin diseases, and of course, giving some protection advice. Fantastic. Thank you. And today we're going to be busting some common myths about sun safety. So are you ready? As I'll ever be, yep. (laughs) Great, let's get to it. So first up, um, you can't get burnt in the UK. Sadly, that is one of the myths. So I live in the north of England and it's about to be our half term. Uh, We're heading to the coast and I have to tell you that that is one of the most sunburnt spotting areas that I have encountered you see some really quite impressive sunburn on the British coast and the the reason of course is that sunburn results from too much UV exposure of the skin and that can take either a very long time or a very short time depending on a whole series of factors to do with the patient so obviously some patients or sorry the person so some people are very sensitive to the sun either because of the color of their skin or because of their age or because they may be on medication that predisposes them to be uv sensitive and also the environmental factors are very important so time of year time of day cloud cover reflective surfaces like sand and water uh, that sort of thing so if the combination of of person and environmental factors are aligned, then you will get sunburned even in the UK, just like you can get sunburned on cloudy days or windy days or um, when you're least expecting it. Great, thank you. And so is it true that sun cream is the only way to protect the skin from burning? No, it, it certainly isn't. And in fact, it's probably not the first one that we'd recommend in the sense that we like people to do lots of sun protective behaviors together. Uh, Sun cream is only one element of that. So if you imagine that you're getting, you know, the risk of sunburn, as we've said, is to do with the amount of UV exposure of your skin that happens over a period of time. So very importantly, it's about behavior. So it's about staying out of the sun when the UV is at its highest, which is typically between 11 a.m. and 9 p. Uh, sorry, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It's about covering your skin, considering physical sun protection methods, so clothing, hats, sunglasses, and then sun cream, which protects the skin from UVA and UVB, um, is part of that strategy, but by, by no means the only part. Fantastic. Thank you. And next up, fact or fiction, sunburn is when the skin goes red. Now, I actually had to look this one up because my gut reaction was to say, yes, it is when the skin goes red. But that didn't seem like enough 
description of the problem. Uh, so I have looked it up and in fact it is redness and pain really and heat which is the definition of sunburn. So obviously sometimes people's skin might look red because they're flushed or because they've been out in the wind but it's really the pain and the sensation of heat from the skin which goes along with sunburn that helps you to recognize it rather than simple skin redness. And depending on the severity of the sunburn you may have other symptoms as well such as blistering or peeling after a couple of days so it isn't just redness uh, which can obviously happen for other reasons as well. Fab oh I'm glad you learned something too (laughs) and um, next up if sun cream says once a day you don't need to reapply fact or fiction? I'm afraid that's also uh, one of our myths Uh, and in fact you should be very wary of any sun cream product that suggests that you only need to apply it once a day. Now there is a little bit of variation but this but generally speaking in terms of sun protection what we recommend for people who are going to use a sun cream product is that they apply it for they apply it 30 minutes before they're planning to leave their house and then they they consider reapplying it every two hours and certainly in situations where the sun cream might be being washed off sweated off rubbed off so with clothing or if you're swimming or you know, out and about and sweating a lot, then you might well need to reapply the sun cream product if it isn't, uh, you know, if, if it's washing off. The other thing to bear in mind is that the way that sun cream is rated is to do with how much it will prolong your natural burning time. So the SPF refers to uh, the change in time that you can expect by using that product compared to how much you, how quickly you might burn without sun cream on. Now, having said that, the way these things are developed in laboratories, they put the sun cream product onto onto a glass slide uh, and then they shine UV light through it and they measure the change in detection between the UV light source and the, uh, the detector. And that's how you calculate the SPF. But that implies that you're applying the sun cream in a way that they would use in a laboratory, which I can tell you, you know, is considerably more sun cream than most uh, people naturally apply. It's very easy to miss bits of your skin if you're trying to apply sun protection uh, cream to your whole body. And even, you know, there are lots of common areas that get missed. Uh, And generally speaking, when you look at how much cream people actually apply compared to the sort of advertised SPF, often it's considerably reduced from what it suggests on the bottle. So, for example, you may find SPF uh, factor 70 or even 100 in uh, for sale in countries outside the UK, but that's not going to translate into complete protection in day-to-day living. Thank you. That was a really great answer. Um, our final um, myth for you to bust is, is expensive sun cream the most effective? And I'm afraid this is another myth because... As I've said, the way they test sun cream or the way that they you know, assess how protective it is, that's the same for all sun cream products, assuming that they are used in the way that they are designed to be used. And often, as we've said, there's a gap between how people actually use products and how the manufacturer intends them to be used and and, and it's the intended use that's tested under laboratory conditions. So if you buy a, um, a sun protection product in the UK that's SPF factor 15 or 30, whether it costs you £5 or £30, the sun protection 
capacity of that product should be the same. Now, what can vary quite a lot and which comes down mainly to personal preference is the formulation of that product. So if you go into a large you know, department store, you'll find sprays, you'll find creams, you'll find gels, you'll find uh, roll-ons, you'll find all sorts of things. And the formulation, the smell and the touch of the product varies quite a lot between different brands. And that is a large element of personal preference in choosing those. Again, we tend to be very wary of roll-on products, which are often very difficult to use in the way that the manufacturer has intended. I see a lot of children with sensitive skin and eczema. And in those patients, I tend to counsel parents to avoid sprays and gels as well, just because they're much less comfortable on skin that may already be a little bit sore or tender. And it's quite easy to miss bits of protection with spray-on products. Thank you so much, Anya. That's been honestly so interesting. I've really enjoyed busting some myths with you there. Um, But finally, before you go, could you maybe tell us where pharmacy teams can signpost people to for further support with sun safety? Well, absolutely. And I feel I probably should share some of the most common questions that I get asked about sun protection. So particularly in the context of children who have eczema uh, and uh, may find that they struggle with their skin, particularly at this time of year. We, we get a lot of queries about sun cream allergy and sun cream uh, sensitivity. And, and in fact, it tends to be the combination of sweating more because it's hot, being outside in the sun and the application of sun cream, which can upset children's skin if they have eczema, and particularly if they're swimming a lot and they're in contact with chemicals in water or seawater. It's sort of the perfect storm, really. And um, as I say, we usually recommend a cream-based formulation rather than any sort of spray or gel. Uh, The the brand is very much down to personal preference. But there are some some important kind of hints and tips about sun cream application that probably aren't appreciated very well generally, which is, first of all, you need to make sure you're using an adequate quantity of it. So if you are uh, an adult, we would normally recommend approximately, you know, approximately sort of two teaspoons worth uh, if you are trying to cover your head and neck as a minimum, which if you if you look at that on your hand, it looks like a lot. You're not supposed to rub sun cream in. You're supposed to apply it so that it sits as a sort of thin film over the skin and then dries in slowly. And the reason being that if you rub it onto the skin, it will move around and you may get gaps. Uh, and obviously, trying to help people control their eczema well is important if they're if they're struggling with itching and things. If if people have tried a sun cream product or, or indeed any kind of cosmetic product that, that is designed to be left on the skin and they're worried that it may have caused sensitivity, you can apply it to a non-exposed area of the body for a couple of days before you plan to use it. And that's very helpful in evaluating whether you are having a reaction to the base product. It doesn't completely rule out that you might be sensitive to the sun cream product after it's been in the sun because the way that they work is obviously they break down into different chemicals when they've been exposed to the light. So, you know, you do have to be a little bit careful, but generally speaking, with a bit of practice and testing it out beforehand, you can usually find one that suits the individual. There are a very limited number of sun cream products that are prescribable on the NHS, but those are only for people with a demonstrated sun sensitivity disorder, so they're not for general prescription. And I think where community pharmacists can really help is they're likely to have a range of products that they're familiar with in their own 
practice and they can help to guide people uh, about which one might work for them based on the likely exposure they're going to have. In the UK, we always recommend a minimum of an SPF of factor 15, although that needs to be interpreted in the context of the person. So obviously children burn more easily, you have to be very careful with them, or if people are known to have sun sensitivity problems. And sun creams can degrade if they're stored at high temperatures. So if you keep them in the car, for example, during the summer months, um, then they may degrade and they, they can lose their sun protective properties. Uh, after they've been opened for, you know, between 12 and 18 months, you really should be thinking about whether it's still going to be at its most effective. And so, Anya, if I was coming into the pharmacy today, what advice would you expect to be given by the pharmacy team? That's a really good question. I mean, when it comes to staying safe in the sun, the Australians had a really good public health campaign, which was slip, slap, slop. So the slip is slip on a shirt, the slap is slap on a hat, and the slop is slop on some sun cream. And that just helps to remind people that that some safety is not just one strategy. So it's not just a case of picking a sun cream off the shelf and putting it on, although that's an, that's an important part of sun safety. It's also about thinking about your behavior in the sun, thinking about your clothing and your exposure. So is it possible for you to sit in the shade? So I think if somebody comes in to ask about sun protection advice, it's really important to sort of ascertain why they're asking. So for some people, it might be an anti-aging thing. So they want a product that they can use to help reduce their long-term exposure over time. For the other people, they will they may be traveling uh, to a different country or on holiday, or they may be planning activities outside, which would increase their UV exposure considerably to, compared to their normal day-to-day living. If they are going to be outside, if it, you know, it's important to establish whether that's going to be in contact with water or sporting activities that might affect the reliability of the sun cream product. And once you've established those things and you're looking at trying to recommend a product, you need to look at the level of protection that's likely to be needed. So sun creams in the UK have an SPF rating on them, which helps to guide people as to what their likely effect on a UV B radiation, you know, their protective qualities for UVB radiation. And they also have a star rating, which refers to the level of UVA cover uh, that you might expect to have protection for. And generally speaking, we recommend a minimum of an SPF factor 15, although you know, that should be interpreted with caution for people who are perhaps more risk at burning, of burning, sorry, and uh, a four-star rating if possible uh, in terms of the UVA protection. Slip, slap, slop. That's absolutely fab. I love that. <laughs> and if these customers kind of want to go away and maybe find out a bit more about sun safety, is there anywhere kind of online where they can get further support for this kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. And it can be really helpful for for patients or customers to be able to follow these things up if they're not sure. So particularly in the context of eczema, which is something I get asked a lot about, the National Eczema Society has a section on sun protection for children with eczema and sensitive skin, which is equally applicable to the rest of the population. And the British Association of Dermatologists also have a sun protection, sun safety leaflet. Uh, Cancer Research UK also have some protection advice on their website, as do Macmillan, uh, because unfortunately, a consequence of excessive UV exposure 
can of course be skin cancer in later life which is why prevention obviously being much better than cure if we can encourage people to behave safely in the sun and to avoid burning then in the longer term that's going to be good for them now it has to be said that we have a lot of patients who've had skin cancer and some of them can become extremely anxious about being outside and we always say to them look you don't need to become a mushroom it is important to behave safely going forward and to ensure that you're having a safe light exposure but if you follow these general principles of avoiding the excess uv by staying in the shade or covering your skin and using some protection measures then you can and you should continue to go outside and to enjoy outdoor activities you know there are lots of health benefits to sunlight exposure which I think sometimes don't get talked about enough uh, in this context you know vitamin d uh, synthesis and general you know all the well-being things that come from being outside in the fresh air and 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 being active but I think there are ways to to enjoy the sun safely uh, which is what we're trying to encourage. Awesome and before you go today Anya is there anything else that you think pharmacy teams should know? I think it is always worth particularly the I think community pharmacists are in an incredibly privileged position in that they obviously are experts on medication and and their patients. They often know their patients quite well and they may have oversight into their other medical problems. It is is very important to recognise situations where sunburn is disproportionate or sun sensitivity is disproportionate to what you might expect. So as we've discussed, if you have sufficient UV exposure, you're going to burn. And if you've spent all day on the beach and you've forgotten to wear a shirt, you know, you've forgotten your sun cream and you haven't worn your hat and you haven't worn your t-shirt, then sunburn, potentially even severe sunburn in that context is not unexpected. However, if people are reporting sun sensitivity, even on very minimal uh, light exposure, so they're only out for 20 minutes or whatever, and they're already describing symptoms of skin discomfort, burning, maybe they're showing signs of sunburn, particularly on days where in the locality the weather might not have been suggestive of that, then I think it's important to think about other causes. So there are a number of medications that might sensitise somebody to the sun. There are medical conditions which can present with sun sensitivity. And I think community pharmacists would be in a good position to recognise patients where they just feel that the picture is unusual compared to average uh, and perhaps recommend that those patients seek further review. Fab, thank you so much, Anya, for joining us on the pod today. No, you're most welcome. Today I'm chatting with pharmacist Gigi Ong and Foundation Year trainee Monica Shahata from Bedminster Pharmacy, a multi-award winning family-run pharmacy situated in the heart of Bristol. The pharmacy provides a wide range of NHS-funded and private services for their customers, including making sure they're up to date on their sun safety knowledge. So my first question for you both is, why do you think teaching customers about sun safety is so important? Um, So I'll start first then. Um, So as we all know, summer is approaching soon. So people would basically love to spend the time outdoor to get the most of like the sun because we don't get very nice weather all the time. So that is really important to remind the public about sun, like safe exposure to the sun as well. And any like necessary steps to help reduce the risk of sun damage, as you know, like 
exposed like if you're exposed under the sun for a long time that that's a risk of you getting skin cancer as well so surprisingly um this based on the statistics like the skin cancer stats in southwest area so there's a higher higher percentage of people getting skin cancer so that is like 88 percent of female and 86 percent of male which is higher than national average um, across the England. So this is quite worrying then, um, I would say, the rate for people getting cancer across the southwest area. So I think um, this is a great platform to like kind of remind people to um, take note of sun safety as well. So which um, skin cancer, the good thing is we could actually prevent it if we take correct measures and precaution to help like protect ourselves against any harmful UV radiation. So it's also important for us to like remember sun damage does not only happen on a hot summer day. So people like normally on a cloudy day, it's important to have like a balance between protecting ourselves and also like those UV, UV rays because like UV rays you can't even feel it or see it. So a lot of people actually forgot about them while playing outdoor, like playing outside. Um, under the sun so also for people who work outdoor all the time like farmers builders they are the person which we they they would miss out sun safety um, I would say um, yeah and what have you found to be the most effective way to get information about sun safety across to your customers uh, well one of the simplest and most effective ways that we found was actually like just putting up pop-up displays in the pharmacy. So which helps promote like sun safety and protection to help just educate others about the effects of the unprotected sun exposure and just basically how UV rays can have such a big impact and contribution to skin cancer. We actually had one big campaign a few years ago where we had like a big palm tree and an inflatable monkey and lots of pictures and just visuals that really helped attract the attention of individuals of like all ages from like children all the way until like, you know, adults and stuff. And it just really helped act like as a reminder of the importance of sun safety. And while also encouraging patients to ask about like these displays um, placed around and just like ask about more information as well as like advice. And also just even like signposting patients to different websites like NHS UK or like Cancer Research UK, since it's like really important to help them like find more information about like the different signs and symptoms of skin cancer, as well as like photos of what skin cancer can actually appear or look like. And they can like research and do all this on their like own time. And then also just basically the everyday today, like over the counter consultation, since like it's a really great way to just tell them through word of mouth and like just help promote sun safety through like the different products as well as like just help them like in choosing different products like for example if they're going swimming to choose something that's more like water resistant versus if it's just for everyday today casual wear yeah that's one thing i would like to add as well so um like us encouraging people to check the weather forecast before they go out. Um, so normally you, you will find the UV rays, like how high the level would be. So like today, I'm not sure if people actually check them every day. So like today I'll check it, it's like moderate. So it's like level three. So um, on, the not, like on the weather forecast that I would normally remind you to put your sunscreen on until um, probably five o'clock because the UV ray would be quite high until then. So that is quite a way, like 
it's, which is a way which um, remind people to apply the sunscreen as well then before going out. Bedminster Pharmacy also offers some sun safety services, doesn't it? Could you tell me a bit about those? Yeah, so awareness is definitely a key when it comes to like sun safety. So we would educate people about the importance of sun protection. Like we display like a, an array of different sunscreens on the shelf or like if people are not sure what to choose for because they, they come in so many different types, um, like different SPF as well. So we would educate people about that if they ask about what to choose for. So it's like true daily um, consultation. And also we provide travel health consultation to um, travellers as well. So that would be a way to engage people in um, in selecting the appropriate sunscreen or any advice on how to, you know, like um, be safe under the sun when they're traveling. So like the daily consultation, we normally would go through with patient. It's, um, it's for like certain medication, like certain medication, they have common side effects, which is photosensitivity. So when the patient is on certain medication like doxycycline, so it's important to take note of that when they are under the sun for quite a long time. So to um, some tips is to wear like long sleeves or like how to apply um, the sunscreen appropriately. So the NHS recommends like applying two teaspoons if you're covering your head, arms or necks. So it depends on what activities they are doing as well to reapply every two hours if they are doing any extended outdoor activities because a lot of people actually like um, forgot about to apply the sunscreens because a lot of people have the misconception of just apply once that would be enough for the whole day so apart from that people we would normally advise people to wear like sunglasses as well because um, that's to protect the eyes and if they can just stay in the shade between like 11 to 3 o'clock because that's where the sun the uv rays is the highest and throughout the uh, throughout the day and finally do you have a particular story where the services you've provided have helped a customer uh, so we actually had one patient actually who was going on vacation with like a group of friends to like the sunny city of alicante in spain and her friends were discussing and buying a sunscreen except for herself actually which was kind of interesting and then when we heard like her side of the story she kind of explained how she didn't need a sunscreen since she was like naturally quite tanned so she had like this natural protection um which is actually usually a common misconception because although melanin and darker skin tones can sometimes help protect against some of the uv rays it obviously doesn't protect against skin cancer so it's equally as important for all skin tones to wear um, sunscreen regardless of sunburning or not since like the UVA rays can go actually beyond the top dermal layer and it can cause like a lot of damage. So she was like really surprised to hear about that. But she definitely made sure after like we let her know that she would definitely get like sun protection on any trip out with the girls next time, things like that. Yeah, that's great. That's really such an advantage to pharmacy, isn't it? You're always on hand to raise awareness about medical details people who aren't trained may have missed, which is great. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Gigi and Monica. Thank you. Thank you for having us here yeah, today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Really wonderful. Thank you to both our experts and to the team at Bedminster for sharing how they are combating sun safety. I hope they've inspired you to consider how you can approach sun safety in your own pharmacy. 
And as always, take a look at our show notes to find links to some of the great resources we have discussed. Now, I think it's time for me to get out of this office and slip, slap, slop on some Factor 30 and go and enjoy the sun. Until next time, I'm Monica West and this is Category Insight.